BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hey, hi, hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie Murphy. I'm your host. I'm your bad broad in charge. And I'm your local Twilight enthusiast. I'm actually recording this the day after we did the New Moon watch party, which was so fun. So much fun. I got this idea. My family does it a lot that we all start the same movie at the same time because we all live far away from each other. So we start the same movie at the same time. And then we get on a Google chat and we just, you know, can chat throughout the movie. And I did some of these in 2020 with you guys and then stopped. Not sure why. But last night we picked it back up. We all started New Moon. We got on a Zoom chat and it was so much fun. I get intimidated by the group chat because everyone is so funny and it makes me self-conscious that I'm not funny enough to be talking to you guys in the group chat. Just in case you're wondering if it's a good time it is. So I will try and do more in the future. I'm not going to not going to overcommit myself. I'm not going to give you any specific dates, but keep an eye on my Instagram because I do want to do those more. So speaking of Twilight, last week's episode with Rod was pre-recorded. So the last episode that I recorded was my Twilight deep dive. And I got a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback, good and bad. It was by far the most feedback I've ever gotten from any episode again, positive and negative, the most positive feedback and the most negative feedback. And that surprised me. But after reading through it and talking to a lot of you, I absolutely understand where people are coming from. From the main feedback that I got was that the discussion around purity culture felt very pointed. And I'm sorry about that. I've I've felt the same way about purity culture for a few years, no matter where I've fallen on the religious spectrum. But I never meant to make anybody feel singled out. And I'm sorry that I did. Purity culture is very American. It's very puritanical, obviously. So I don't necessarily associate it with one religion. But obviously, I brought up that Stephanie Meyer is LDS. And yeah, bad judgment call. So I'm sorry. I'm not trying to prove any points. I'm open to feedback. And I'm very much in the camp of please do whatever the hell you want forever. Religious, not religious, sober, not sober, sexually active abstinent, whatever, as long as you're doing your best to be compassionate and empathetic and you're not hurting anyone physically or emotionally, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And I'm sorry that was not abundantly clear. I should have done a better job making sure you all knew that. I also, I had somebody tell me that it felt like I was making fun of people who wait until marriage. Maybe this is too personal, but I do in fact fall in that category. So if I'm saying anything about that that genre of people. Just know I'm I'm including myself, including myself, including myself. And the main thing that I'm getting is that we're all thirsty for some story submission episodes. My sweetie angels are missing the story submissions. And you know what? So am I. So am I. Why did we stop doing them? We, me, I guess I'm in charge. I started planning out all these episodes. And then before I knew it, we hadn't done one in forever. So don't worry, we're getting back to the roots of bad broad behavior. And we're going to get into some worst in-law stories. This is a cult classic of the the most nightmarish in-law interactions, stories, everything, everything in between. 
And after we do in-law submissions, I have some Dum Dum Club submissions at the end of the episode. So stick around for that. But now let's talk about in-laws. We've talked at length about weird in-law behavior. And I don't know why it happens. I mean, I have my theories. I'm sure there's a therapist out there who has better insight than I do. But the thing that I talk about the most in therapy, I'll just air this out. I talk a lot about codependency because I feel, well, I don't feel. It's just something I'm realizing now. I have a tendency to be very codependent in my relationships. And I feel like this applies to in-laws. So hang in there with me while I make this comparison. I mean, I feel like most relationships have an aspect of codependency and you got to be aware of it. But here's where I think that in-laws get, you know, come into play. So I saw a video about codependency and it was Whitney Cummings, who's a comedian. I really like her. At least I like most of her stand up. Anyway, she defined codependency or like the definition that she works off of is the inability to tolerate the discomfort of others. And I brought that up to my therapist and then Lucy and I were talking about it and And Lucy had a good point. She was like, well, obviously nobody likes disappointing people. Nobody likes when others are uncomfortable, which totally makes sense. I absolutely agree. But I think where codependency comes in and where it's not healthy is when either it's not your fault that somebody is feeling uncomfortable and you still feel responsible or when you're making a decision that's best for you but you feel the need to adjust it to make somebody else more comfortable. I think that's when the tolerance of people's discomfort gets a little wacky. And to me, this feels very prevalent in in in-laws. And especially because I've been talking about it in therapy, I obviously, it's on my mind. So when I'm reading through all of these, I'm like, I feel like we have a a little bit of that. I mean, it could be boiled down to people pleasing, but I feel like codependency kind of encapsulates it a little bit more because let me set this scenario for you. And I bet my life that multiple people listening have experienced something like this. So this is hypothetical, by the way. I don't know anybody who this has happened to. I just made up this scenario. But say you live in a different state than your in-laws and you have like twin toddlers, okay? Your mother-in-law really wants you to travel to see them for a holiday and you know that she's going to be really sad if you don't do it. However, you also know that you and your kids will have a better experience with the holiday if you stay home. It's going to be harder to travel. It's going to be miserable. But you still feel the need to do it for your in-laws or your mother-in-law. I feel like codependency comes into play. Again, this is just my theory. I'm, I, I, I am not one to be trusted with anything medical or scientific, but this is just what I'm observing. I feel like codependency comes into play when you sacrifice your own well-being to make somebody else more comfortable, like your mother-in-law. And let me tell you, this one is a, this one's hard to fix. It's hard to fix. I, again, have a tendency to be very codependent. Please don't take anything that I'm speculating here as me saying that I'm good at any of this. It's mainly just me being aware of it. And I'm just now starting to be aware of it, like in my late 20s. And it's something I've done throughout my life. And I'm learning that the bad news is that you're always going to have people who disagree with your life decisions. You're always going to have people, I mean, for so many of you who are parents, you've probably experienced that you will always have people who think you're doing something wrong with parenting or at work or in your relationships. There's just going to be people who would do it differently than you. And more often than not, I think that people are not in a place to say, hey, it doesn't matter. I love and support you either way. Like that's not something, at least not the in-law stories that I'm reading. That's not the that's not the feedback that people are getting from their their relationships. Hey, whatever you want to do for the holiday, it totally doesn't matter. And that's the rare, that's the rare response as humans, because we like, we like when people do things our way, because it validates our decisions. That's how basically I would, I would bet the farm that most of us are like that, but I am like that to the max. I mean, I just, I want people to do everything the way that I do, because I want to feel validated that I did it right. Do you get what I'm saying? But the majority of the time, people are uncomfortable when you make a decision that's different than theirs. And that means, this is what my therapist said to me, you might just need to sit in the discomfort. It doesn't mean it's wrong either. Like just because something feels uncomfortable doesn't mean you need to avoid it. I have the problem where if something feels uncomfortable, I convince myself that it's my intuition telling me that it's wrong. So if I'm like, oh, this feeling of unrest, of discomfort, it must mean I'm doing something wrong. It doesn't. 
It doesn't necessarily mean that. It could just mean you're in a new situation. So if telling your in-laws that you can't do something, if it makes you feel some unrest, it's not you getting a sign that you did something wrong. It's just you being a human being and having to stick up for what you believe. And it's a bummer. It's a bummer to me when I realize that those feelings of anxiety and discomfort, they're not to be trusted. They're not to be trusted, mate, because they're not really telling you like what's happening in reality. You know, so the bottom line is this whole tangent before we get into in-laws and all the all of that stuff, you know what's best for you. You're the one living your life. You're the one raising your kids. You're the one in your marriage. You're, you're the one doing it. So if your in-laws are coming down hard on you, if they're not accepting something that you're doing, if it's making you uncomfortable to be around them, if it's not good for your mental health, you have every right to say no. And I'm not saying be distant or resist, you know, the relationship, but I'm saying however you choose to live your life is correct. It's correct. However you choose to raise your kids, what holidays you go home for, you're doing it right. So there's my soapbox. Now let's talk shit on your in-laws, shall we? Here we go. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by ButcherBox. I am very, very, very picky when it comes to the meat I eat. You guys know there have been many times in the last couple of years where I've just gone off meat completely because I can't seem to find any meat that jives with what I like. ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat and seafood that you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. It's humanely raised and there's no antibiotics or added hormones. You can get what you want delivered right to your doorstep and there's free shipping in the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. So you just hop on, you can choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customized, and you can change your plan whenever you want. You can enjoy a range of high quality cuts that are hard to come by at the grocery store at an amazing value. There's also exclusive member deals so you can save big on your favorite cuts. The last one that I had, I got some chicken. I made a little bowl with some rice, some sweet potatoes, some butcher box chicken. It was delicious. So with my code, you can take chicken breasts off your grocery list because butcher box is offering my listeners an incredible deal that they've never offered before, which is free chicken for a year. For a full year, you can get two pounds of free range organic chicken breasts for free in every order when you sign up at butcherbox.com bad. Claim this deal at butcherbox.com bad. This episode of the bad broadcast is brought to you by Seed. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a hot girl. And if you're a hot girl, chances are you have some tummy issues. I know that I do. And I've been on the probiotic treasure hunt for the last year or so. I've tried so many and Seed is by far my favorite. I never miss a day. I keep it right next to my toothbrush so I never forget. You have to remember that not all probiotics are created equal. Not every probiotic is going to have the same benefits and Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. It's a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic that's formulated for digestive, gut immune, and additional systemic benefits. The capsule and capsule design protects against stomach acid, digestive enzymes, and bile salts for viability through digestion. What does this mean? I will tell you. The live probiotics will actually make it to the end of the small intestine for delivery into the colon, which is where we would like them to go. If you've taken a probiotic and you haven't felt a difference, it's probably because the good bacteria wasn't surviving through your GI tract. Seed is designed differently, and that's why it works. Seed supports benefits in and beyond the gut. Yes, seed will support the ease of bloating and healthy regularity and ease of evacuation, but it will also support your gut barrier, your skin health, your heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. Many see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours, which can include bowel movement, regularity, and ease of bloating. Each component of their refill system is designed to protect your DS1 daily symbiotic and be gentler on the earth. So start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com bad and use the code bad to redeem 20% off of your first month of Seed's DS1 daily symbiotic. That's seed.com bad and use the code bad. First story. <laughs> What a, what a transition. First story. My husband's older brother is a selfish asshole. 
He's always doing self-centered, awful things, but this one takes the cake. My husband's grandma died in the fall. My brother-in-law and his wife lived across the country for school, so they flew home for a couple days for the funeral. My brother-in-law's wife's family lives really close to my in-laws. Okay, so this is her husband's older brother. As I just said that, I just looked up at the first line, and it says my husband's older brother. Okay, yes, husband's older brother. His wife's family lives really close so my in- to my in-laws, so they combine family when they visit. We find her family extremely annoying, so we all hate it. My mother-in-law and father-in-law told my brother-in-law to just spend the day of the funeral with our family, and then they could spend the next day and a half they were here with her family. The day of the funeral fell on the same day as a huge college football rivalry game. My husband's family's favorite school against my brother-in-law's school. That's weird. That's weird that he went to the opposite school that his family liked. That's what I'm gathering here. Anyone, I mean, anyway, everyone normally goes big for this game, but it was my, it was grandma's funeral. So none of the kids were going to make a big deal of it. My father-in-law, whose mother had died, said, no, let's get pizza and watch the game as a family that evening after the funeral. We went to the funeral in the morning. My father-in-law made all the arrangements for the funeral, conducted it, talked at it, and hosted the lunch after. It was a long, sad day for him. We all get home to my in-laws and my brother-in-law says we needed more numbers for his school since the rest of the family cheers for the other school. His wife's family were friends of his school and he wanted to have them all over for a big football party at my in-law's house on the day of my father-in-law's mother's funeral. No one really tells him no, but you could tell my mother-in-law was bugged. When she told my father-in-law, he left the house visibly irritated. So my sweet husband that never stands up to his older brother texted him and told him how rude that it was to make his parents host his annoying in-laws for a party the day of grandma's funeral. His brother didn't care, instead insisted that his parents said it was fine and continued with his plans. As sister-in-law's family started slowly showing up, my mother and father-in-law migrated to the basement with their pizza to watch the game. Her family wouldn't stop talking and being annoying, so my husband and I headed for the basement too, along with two of my husband's younger siblings. We all sat watching the game in the basement as my brother-in-law and his in-laws took over the entire upstairs of my in-laws house on the day we all laid Nana to rest. Neither my brother-in-law nor his in-laws saw anything wrong with any of it. So first of all, I mean, three words, read the room. Like I, I don't agree with his behavior at all. And I feel like we need to focus on something. I feel like we need to talk about college football fandoms. Let me say before I go on this probably slightly offensive tangent, four of my seven brothers played college sports and three of them played professional football. Okay. My dad is a retired professional athlete. I do not think that being a fan of sports teams is weird, but I have my limits and I have some things that are just pun intended out of bounds. And let me tell you what some of them are. I just, I'm picturing this dick brother-in-law as one of these football fans, college football fans. I think they said football game, right? Let me look. I don't know. Whatever it was. I feel like he falls into this category, all of these. So let's go through some of the things that are red flags for me in sports fans. Okay. Number one, using the word we when discussing a sports team that you neither play for nor coach. You're not actually part of that. So you can say they. We is a term used for something that you are a part of. So you can use they since you're not, you know, on the team and you don't coach the team. The second red flag, what should we call it? Red flag? Penalty? Penalty markers? Second red flag is calling players by their first name. The only time you need to call a player by their first name, I actually thought of an exception. And I guess it's when like they're really famous for their first name, like LeBron. But other than that, you don't need to call them by their first name unless you know them and they call you by your first name. That's how you can determine if you should be calling somebody by their first name. Like you don't need to call them Steph or Tom or Derek. They're not your friends. You don't know them. They don't know you. You can say their full name. Okay. The next red flag in sports fans, being emotionally affected when a team loses or a player performs badly. I had a boyfriend who would not hang out with me if the Green Bay Packers lost. Why he was a fan of the Green Bay Packers, I don't know. He had never even been to Green Bay. He wasn't from there. He didn't know anybody there. He just chose that team, which don't even get me started on that. But he also wouldn't hang out with me if the Packers won, but Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. He was just, he was too upset. 
he was too upset to hang out if the Green Bay Packers lost. And that is that feels like a red flag, 15 yards to me. I have some red flags specifically for college sports as well. Totally transparent, overly excited college sports fans kind of freak me out. Not like if you go to the school and not if you are an alumni and you go every now and then. Also, not if you have a friend or family member playing. That I totally understand. Just the kind of college like sports fans where you don't have any connection to said team. You get overly emotional about them and you're like very attached. I mean, they're technically children. A lot of college athletes are like 18, 19, 20. I would say the vast majority of them. Like they're just children. Why are you so emotional over them, Randy? You don't need to. It, you don't need to be. You don't need to be. It's okay. So to bring it back around to where we started, college football fans who are more concerned with having a lot of fans present than the well-being of their father directly after a family funeral. Yes, red flag, penalty, execution from the game, not execution. What's the word I'm looking for when you get kicked out? Ejected, ejected from the game. You're executed, ejected, excommunicated, whatever it is from the family, from the world. Please do not bring that energy into my life ever. Okay, next. She says, three weeks after my wedding, my husband and I were visiting my in-laws for the first time since our wedding. On our way out of the door, my mother-in-law hands me a little box and says, this is yours to keep track of now. I open the box and it's all of my <laughs> it's all of my husband's baby teeth. We were students living in a crappy apartment. So I said, oh, you hold on to those. I would not be able to keep track of them in our apartment. My mother-in-law was not taking no for an answer and we argued about it. I finally told her I don't want my husband's baby teeth. She told me she, <laughs> she told me she had taken care of them long enough and that it was my turn. I said that if I didn't want them and she didn't want them, maybe we should just throw them away. She said, well, then what was I keeping them all these years for? <laughs> Lady, I don't know. I just got married and I am not prepared to manage the cast off teeth of my new husband. As a fun side note, this same woman refuses to give my husband his social security card or his birth, cer birth certificate. That was a hard word to say with my teeth. Birth certificate almost 10 years later. We've had stories like this in the past. and I've, I've roasted this before. Because we all know that the only people who collect teeth are moms and serial killers. So then I went down a very weird internet rabbit hole because I wanted to look up why we, why we keep teeth. Like, what's the deal? If, is it like a cultural thing? Like, how did this even start? Tooth fair? I wanted to get some context. And I learned that there are studies. I promise. I, I read this in an actual article. I didn't even just see a TikTok about it. I read with my own two eyes actual English words. There are studies that say that you can harvest stem cells from your kids' baby teeth. I mean, don't take my word for it. Definitely talk to a scientist or a doctor if you want to do this. But I did read like two paragraphs and it seems legit. The company I found, they charge $250 initially and then $12 per month to hold on to the baby teeth. So I also found baby teeth jewelry that you can have made, baby teeth casts to put on display, little trinket boxes, labeled envelopes, and a whole other plethora of ways to keep your child's baby teeth fresh. And I will say this, if you do any of these, I think you're weird. I do think you're weird. I would still be your friend, absolutely, but I, I would think it's weird. I would think it's weird. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Dipsy. Are you feeling a little bit anxious or overwhelmed? I, I feel one or both of those emotions basically every moment of every day. And because of that, it can make it hard to shift gears and get in the mood. But with Dipsy, you can focus just on what makes you feel good and you can literally tune the rest of the world out. Maybe you have a summer fantasy. Maybe it's a whirlwind romance in Italy or dancing in a rainstorm with an unexpected fling. No matter how you want to get steamy, Dipsy has a sexy story for you to indulge in. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. There's new content every single week, so in between listening to your favorites, you can always find something new to explore. And that's not all. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to explore your fantasies, heat things up with a partner, maybe just spice up your me time 
whatever floats your boat. For listeners of The Bad Broadcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash bad. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash bad. That's dipsystories.com slash bad. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Starface. You know, those cute little star-shaped pimple patches that everybody wears on Instagram. I've even seen a few of you guys wearing them. You tag me in your stories, which I love. Those are Starface's best-selling Hydro Stars, which are a 100% hydrocolloid pimple patch that helps reduce inflammation, absorb fluid, and shrink spots overnight. Pimple patches aside, Starface has a full line of skincare essentials so you can really build out a full routine. That includes the return of their viral collaboration with Hello Kitty, which is the cutest thing you'll ever see or ever put on your face. The collab that sold out in 72 hours is officially back with new Hello Kitty pimple patches and skincare favorites, space wash, facial cleanser, and lift off pore strips. As with all of Starface's collabs, it's super limited edition, so make sure you act quick before it's gone for good. Everything at Starface is dermatologist tested, vegan, and cruelty free, and it's designed to make people feel cute and confident. One of my favorites right now is the Clear as Day SPF 46, which is Starface's award-winning sunscreen for acne-prone skin. If you've ever been scared to wear sunscreen because it breaks you out or leaves you with like a white cast, you're going to love this one because it's lightweight, it's completely invisible, and it's filled with moisturizing and smoothing ingredients that won't clog your pores. I also love their Outer Space Foaming Body Cleanser, which is a daily body wash, and their Super Sulfur Magic Mask, which is a fun and effective face mask that treats and prevents breakouts. It's the cutest color of a face mask you'll ever put on. I die every time. So you can shop the entire Starface collection at starface.world. And for a limited time, Starface is offering all bad broadcast listeners 15% off of a one-time purchase at checkout with code BAD. Again, that's code BAD for 15% off of a one-time purchase at starface.world. Limited edition products are not included in the discount. You can also find Starface products at Target, Walmart, and CVS stores in the US, as well as Boots and Superdrug in the UK. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Shall we go on to the next one? She says, one time I was saying goodbye to my mother-in-law. She usually hugs me and sometimes kisses me on the cheek. Not my favorite thing, but there are definitely worse things to complain about. Anyway, I said goodbye, hugged her and turned to walk away. Well, too bad for both of us. She was leaning in for a kiss on the cheek right as I turned. Bam, right on the lips. We both kind of paused for a sec, not knowing what to do. Then I literally ran to my car and drove away and never spoke of it again until now. I ran through every possible relationship in the book and I deduced that your mother-in-law is the worst person to accidentally kiss on the lips. Maybe second to father-in-law, but either way, that's top two. That's top two worst, worst people. Okay, this one, I don't even know if I took any notes on because it just, it left me really shaken up. She says, Maddie, 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 I saw my father-in-law naked. I'm not okay. Even though it was a few years ago, not okay. I've never had the best relationship with my father-in-law. It's just always been awkward between us. So this didn't help. Here's how it went down. We were going boating. So as usual, we are meeting at my in-law's house to carpool. I don't think we were early, but we were the first not living at home member, family members to arrive. I guess it would be important to note that the only siblings living at home were boys. This is a family of six boys and one girl. That's almost like my family, except we're seven boys and one girl. So we walk in, not quietly, and say hello to the brothers and my mother-in-law, and then make our way to the kitchen to get some breakfast. We are eating and chatting. I'm standing with my back against the counter, and I can see the kitchen as well as the family room. I'm the only one faced that direction when all of a sudden my father-in-law walks out of the primary bedroom completely naked through the family room to the laundry room asking for his swimsuit. 
I'm like in shock. So I just quietly turn as he's walking through the family room as far as he could possibly be from me. He didn't seem to notice me. So I thought I would just turn away and act like I didn't see anything and it would be okay. Well, then he notices me, has an outcry of shock, rushes and quickly gets dressed, but comes out and starts apologizing. So then everyone finds out what happened and it becomes a whole ordeal. I was just trying to turn away and not draw any attention. He profusely apologized, but I feel like the attention just made it so much worse. But like, I can't stop thinking, was trying to turn around discreetly the right thing? Should I have screamed and made a big fuss? Like, could I have turned more quickly? But like, is it normal for dads to just walk around naked at home or around their male children? If it was close to when everyone is supposed to meet, like, shouldn't he have checked nobody was there yet? Especially since he walked through such an open space. What could I have done differently? I'm still traumatized to this day. I do not believe that that's normal behavior at all. I don't know. I know there's a lot of different family dynamics in, in the world. I know a lot of people have a different comfort level with, you know, nudity. But that to me feels very, very strange for anybody to walk around naked above the age of like five, right? Like, I mean, maybe five is a little old. I don't know. I don't know. I just panics at that age because it does not feel like any adult should be just walking around naked, even if you grow up in a very like body positive, sex positive, whatever environment. I don't feel like adults should be that naked in front of each other, especially parents and children. I don't think that's normal. So that's my opinion. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm way off or something, but, um, that's what I, that's what I've come up with. I'm so sorry. All right, next. So my sister-in-law, my husband's brother's wife is very interesting. One time she got upset because everyone was paying attention to her other sister-in-law's baby instead of her. She also warms up her potato salad in the microwave. And I'm sorry, but that's just, that's not right. Okay, to be fair to the sister-in-law, I also get jealous of all the attention babies get. Like, to be fair, we don't really even know them yet. We don't even know if they're cool. Like, several of my friends have had babies in the last year, and I like the babies, I think. I mean, they haven't really, they haven't really proved themselves yet. They haven't cracked any jokes. But then my friends, like, choose their babies over me, and, like, they've known me way longer. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> no, but obviously the really bad behavior here is the warm potato salad. Because warm mayo is like, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'm not going to make that comparison. Let's move along, shall we? I'm putting a trigger warning on this one because it has to deal with pregnancy loss. And then I also have a, I have a story after, not about me or anything about me, but I just had, I had a similar experience to this, which is weird. So she says, when my husband's brother and his wife announced their first pregnancy to my in-laws, my mother-in-law said, I don't think it's the right time for you guys. Well, ma'am, that's not really up to you or any of your business. She has very strong opinions about a lot of things, but especially about having, especially about her kids having kids. I don't know why. Later down the road, they were trying for a second kid and they had a miscarriage or two already. When they got pregnant again, my mother-in-law announced their pregnancy and she seemed bugged. Then a few weeks later, she was the only one who told me about them miscarrying again and she almost seemed excited slash happy about it. It was really jarring. I ended up sending my sister-in-law forget-me-not seed necklace so she knew someone was in her corner. I made it a point to make sure she knew I did not agree with how my mother-in-law reacted or treated them and made sure she knew I'd be praying for them. I, okay, when I heard this story, it sounded like something that somebody said to me once. And this is the worst thing anyone's ever said to me. And again, trigger warning, I can't believe somebody said it to me. It's just, I'm not related to them. It's none of my friends' families. It's just this lady that I know. Anyway, she openly offered me this information and I don't really know why. But yeah, it has to do with infertility. So this lady told me, she told me that her daughter-in-law, so her daughter-in-law was going for through fertility treatments, trying to get pregnant. And she told me that she was praying for her daughter-in-law to remain infertile because she didn't like her and she didn't want them to have a baby because then it meant that she would be in their life forever. And it was the most shocking thing I've ever heard someone admit ever. I I couldn't believe it. So while we're on the topic, if you have, if you have dabbled, if you've dabbled in anything even related to pregnancy, pregnancy, birth, miscarriage, breastfeeding, fertility treatments, wowza, you should, you should have a medal of freedom I actually, okay, I actually thought about breastfeeding today for a while. I was I was thinking about it for quite some time. 
because I don't think people make a big enough deal about it. Not about like making a scene when people are feeding in public, nothing like that. But I read that when your baby is sick, your titties literally create the antibodies that they need to get better. Sorry, that seems like a major human life detail that we are glossing right over. Your nips can cure illness. That's insane. But yeah, if you if you have done anything about fertility, if you've lost a pregnancy, my heart and love and prayers and good vibes and all of that go out to you because that is brutal. And the fact that there are people out there who act like this with pregnancy loss and infertility, no, that is worse than any college football fan I have ever encountered. All right, next one. My sister-in-law sucks. She and my sister are the same age, but she married my brother at 19 and had a baby two years after that. At the baby shower last summer, she turned to my sister and said, it's crazy that we're the same age, but I'm so much further ahead in life than you are. What? Now she's always bugging me about getting married to my boyfriend because my niece needs cousins. I try really hard to be nice to her, but honestly, she is the worst. I keep thinking she'll get better, but she never does. First of all, I want to say, having a baby is very cool. It's very hard. It's something, yeah, it's definitely a life, a life altering decision to make. And I think moms are amazing. I don't think it's necessarily a marker of how far along you are in life. And additionally, who needs cousins? I mean, she's bugging you because your niece needs cousins. Like I, who needs them? I mean, sorry, if you're really into cousins, I actually have cousins that I really like, but it's not on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, can you imagine? It's like basic needs, physiological needs, societal needs, and your cousin, Angela. Like, everybody only has weird cousins. I feel like everyone's got weird cousins. And if you don't have any weird cousins, I have some bad news for you. You are the weird cousin. Okay. All right, let's go on. My partner's grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary dinner, my father-in-law mooned everyone. That's right. Pants down, bare ass for everyone to see. And it was during the picture slideshow. Not something I ever, ever wanted to see. So when I first read this, I was like, this is making me feel weird because I thought I was pro moon. I thought I was pro moon. And then I, I sat and I, I thought about it for a little bit. I sat with that. I contemplated and I'm definitely not pro moon because I thought about everyone's mooning that I would laugh at. And there's only one and it's my own. Me mooning somebody is the only funny mooning scenario that I can think of. And I think we might all feel that way. I think we might all feel that way. And I also went through the list of worst person to witness drop trow and it's a father-in-law not even one father-in-law in in particular just a father-in-law someone's father-in-law that's the worst person to see both of their butt cheeks out it's horrible I'm so sorry all right next my mother-in-law once told me that if her son wasn't bringing me to completion in the bedroom that I should call her immediately (laughs) I declined (laughs) I okay now obviously this is way way over a boundary but I kind of feel like she's a feminist. I kind of feel like that mother-in-law is a feminist and I appreciate that. Okay, next. My significantly older brother-in-law took a picture he found of me on the beach in Mexico in a swimsuit and photoshopped my mother-in-law's face on it and then proceeded to send it out to the entire family except for my husband and I. Another sister-in-law told me about it after the fact. Still not sure why this happened. He thought it was hilarious. I had to read this several times to figure out what even happened? What was this? So he took her body and put his mom's face on it. How did somebody just let this slide without contacting the authorities, without a criminal prosecutor immediately getting on this case? Yeah, that is really, really, really weird. I think that's weird. And I also think that somebody should check on that guy and what he's into because it does not seem like it's something healthy or normal. Okay, next. Just to start off, my mother-in-law likes my husband in a yucky way. His parents got divorced at a very young age, so he kind of became the caretaker for his mom. He would cook, clean, and she would take his paychecks. She made him start working when he was 14. So obviously, when I came into the picture, she was not happy about it. I was taking her darling baby boy away from her. Now, she has said some pretty awful things to me in the two years that we've been together, and I've chosen to kind of let them slide. But this one instance was just so insane, I I cannot get over it, and I don't think I will ever be able to. It might seem like it's not a big deal to other people, but with her behavior and how she's treated me in the past, it's icing on the cake. So my husband's grandpa owns a dairy farm, so obviously they get quite a bit of meat from him. 
His mom had a huge fridge in her garage and my husband was free to take whatever he wanted. She didn't care. She encouraged it, whatever. But one day he goes and takes like two things of ground beef, beef, (laughs) beef, I said that with a TH, but I meant it with an F, and a roast. We went fishing, and later on, he gets a text from her saying, did you take any meat from the fridge? He said, yes, thank you, et cetera, et cetera. Then she hit him with, you know that's not for my name, right? She is not to eat that. She is not to touch it. You're not to feed her. You're not to share it with her. This is for you and only you, and if you cook for me. What? We are gatekeeping meat now? She has also tried to get him to break up with me many times. After he proposed to me, she sat him down and had a conversation with him and basically said, It's not too late. I think it would be smart for you to date around a little bit and see if this is really what you want to do and if she's really the person you want to be with. Like, girl, I have a ring on my finger. He wasn't planning on giving it to you. Our relationship still isn't the best and I don't really want to have one with her. I know it's hard on him, but I mean, how close can I get to somebody who has tried to get rid of me for two years straight? This probably isn't the craziest story that you've heard, but if but it feels nice to know that other people have psycho in-laws and I'm not the only one. Love you, Maddie. So this like this emotional incest that we've talked about with other in-law episodes when the mother-in-law is like obsessed with the kid or with like like your husband or something your mother-in-law is obsessed with your husband I kind of blame father-in-laws obviously this one they were divorced but it's almost weirder when they're married and it kind of gives me the vibe that like the mother and father-in-law's relationship is like not great so obviously the mother-in-law relies heavily on the son for like emotional stability because you know I get it a lot of dads in that generation, not super present emotionally. Being a good dad, what did they say in marriage story? The idea of a good dad was invented like 30 years ago, which is true. They just weren't very present. I mean, I think that's a pretty common thing for most, most like boomers. Yeah, I think it's pretty common. So I feel like when the marriage is like that, then the mother-in-law doesn't feel emotionally supported. So she goes for the son. I don't know. That's the vibe that I'm, I'm getting. Okay, next. It was the first time I had ever stayed at my now in-law's house and somewhat early in my relationship with my boyfriend, now husband. I was traveling with him in the state he grew up in and we spent one night at their house. I left a small bag of toiletries on the bathroom counter, which included a bottle of antidepressant medication I was taking at the time. We stayed the night, spent some time with his family, and then continued on our way. Later, I learned what happened in the months after that. While we were staying with them, my boyfriend's mom, now my mother-in-law, had looked through my stuff in the bathroom, found my medication, and researched what it was. Then she innocently, quote unquote, asked my boyfriend slash husband if he knew of any medications I was taking, which is weird to ask anyway. He knew I was taking antidepressant, but he, is it antidepressant? Antidepressant? I don't know. But he also knew it was none of her business, so he told her no. A while later, he was talking with his parents about someone else in their family struggling with depression, and he mentioned offhandedly that I was taking an antidepressant. She acted like he should have told her immediately and that she deserved to know I was on this medication. He got really mad at his mom for violating my privacy and then trying to pretend she knew nothing to get him to tell her details about my health. Needless to say, I was so upset when I heard this story. Turns out there were many whispers happening about me behind my back in the family, and I didn't learn about most of them until after we were married. Today, we are very happily married, and neither of us can find too much personal information with my husband's family. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a hard lesson. Hard lesson to learn, to keep your own secrets. Somebody who you think you can really trust, you know, that's supposed to have your best interests at heart. Sometimes when you tell them things doesn't really turn out that way. And then they fall on the other side of the boundary, which is a big, big bummer when it's family. And yeah, I'm sorry. I, I do feel like everything with mental health, medication, therapy, treatment, all of that stuff is very taboo, very taboo for older, older people. Okay. This one is, uh, there's two more, two more before we go on to Dumb Dumb Club submissions. And this one's, these two are really bad. She says, I win. My husband and I went to visit his family right after we got engaged and we were sleeping there for two nights. It was about midnight and him and I were downstairs while I did some homework. She comes down and tells us that we can't sleep until he is up in bed or she can't sleep until he's up in bed and stood there until after he went up. But wait, it gets better. After we leave to go home, my now husband told me that his mom and dad forced him to sleep in their closet to make sure that we didn't do anything while we were there. The first time I read this, I thought it said that the mom and dad were sleeping in the closet of the room that the couple was in, which really alarmed me. But the mom made him sleep in her closet so he couldn't sneak out. She told him it will be just like when you were a kid and you had a bad dream. He responded to her and said, no, this is the bad dream. <laughs> yeah, see the, um, what's that word? When you when you infantilize somebody, I feel like this happens with like this weird mother in-law son thing like that the mom never sees the boy as an adult makes him an infant in her mind like yeah you should sleep in my closet like it's weird 
Okay, last in last submi- sub- submission before we go on to some dumb dumb clubs. She says, my father-in-law is obsessed with boobs. Obsessed. He tries to bond with me by talking about breastfeeding. Several times over the last three years since I've become a mom, he's been like, wow, when they bite you when you're feeding, it probably really shocks you, huh? Like, yes, it does. But the most shocking thing is that you think this is an appropriate conversation topic. He also tries to sneak peeks while I'm breastfeeding. One time his wife called him out on it and his response was, what? I like boobs. What do you expect? This has happened like many, 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 many times in these submissions. Why are so many of your father-in-laws so creepy about breastfeeding? If you're listening to this and you have a husband or you are a husband or you're a father-in-law or a grandfather-in-law, stop talking about boobs ever again. Please, for, for the sake of humanity, shut up. Shut up. Remind the men in your life to never acknowledge boobs ever again on anybody. I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of hearing about this with with your father-in-laws and your grandpa-in-laws, your uncles, whatever. Like just why? Why are men this way? Why? If you have a man in your life, please remind him to never do this. Okay. Those are all the in-law stories that we have today. But now we're getting into the dumb dumb club submissions. There are some good ones. And like I said, I'm going to try and sprinkle these into most episodes because they make us all feel better. So let's go over what the Dumb Dumb Club is. I need a, a better definition. If anybody can define this better than I can, please let me know. They always make sense when we start to read them, but it's basically things that are really obvious that you didn't learn until later in life, way too late in life, I should say. So the first submission that I got was my entire life until I met my husband, I thought that the word archive was pronounced archive. <laughs> One day after saying Archive, my husband, my husband, aka my boyfriend at the time, looked at me with disbelief and was like, wait, are you joking? And I was like, what? And he said, it's actually Archive. And he asked if I've always thought it was Archive. Needless to say, I have always been saying Archive and no one ever corrected me. That's, you know, a lot of these, like, they sound very much like the correct way to say something. So it makes sense why nobody corrects you. But when you're saying Archive... I do feel like that's something to to correct on somebody. All right, next one. This one blew my mind. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen are fraternal twins. Not identical. It's pretty wild, right? I didn't know that. Next, up until last year, I was convinced that Elton John was married to Olivia Newton-John, even though I knew he was gay. In your defense, he was married to a woman for a while. And he talks about his wife in, I miss the other so much. I miss my wife. You know, that that. Elton John song, Rocket Man. That's what it is. So he did have a wife. And Olivia Newton John would have been a great one, I'm sure. Rest in peace. Okay, next. My entire life, I believed that Sylvester Stallone's name was Sylvester Sloan. I've always said that and I've never been corrected. It wasn't till today when I saw it spelled out that I realized I was a dum dum. But to be honest, I like Sloan better anyway. See, that's one of those ones that sounds a lot alike. Sylvester Sloan. Like if you said it fast, nobody would correct you. I didn't read the Harry Potter books, but I've seen the movie, so I just barely learned that the character of Mad-Eye Moody is not Madam Moody. I've always been confused because he's a dude, so that makes way more sense, especially because of his messed up eye. I, you guys, okay, so my Facebook feed is full of like, not not like Harry Potter memes, like funny memes. Like I somehow got on the Harry Potter side of things where it's like really emotional like you know fan edits and realizations and anecdotes and fan fiction I don't know how and then I realized that I read every single one and that's why Facebook thinks that I I need more of them but yeah every single time I get one I'm like this is so stupid I got to see how stupid it is and then it keeps giving me more and I'm like why does the thing I'm into these so I'm like oh yeah because I I read up I read all of them anyway yeah Matt I moody I wish I would have used that as my Instagram name back in the day when I had a personal Instagram because that's how I spell my name, Mad I, M-A-D-I. So it would have been good. Anywho, let's go on. She says, one time I was at a breakfast place and they asked me how I liked my eggs. I looked at the waiter and I said, golden, but a little bit brown. I didn't know she was asking what style of egg I wanted. <laughs> she thought they were talking about like the egg shell. <sighs> okay, next. Okay, for a long time, I thought it was so weird that so many of my Uber Eats delivery drivers were fabulous queens named Diamond. I then realized that Diamond was their status 
not their name. That one is so good. But then the next one I got, it literally, all it says is New York is a state, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. So someone out there learned in the last three days that New York is a state. That's why they call it New York, New York, New York City in New York State. City so nice they named it twice, you know. All right. This one is another thing that I learned. The word footage is used because film is measured in feet. Who knew? Not me. I'll tell you who knew. Not this bitch. Okay. Last one. I always thought nosebleed seats were really close to the stage and that your nose bleeds because of how loud the music is. I feel like we had a nosebleed seats one where somebody said, I thought that you got in fights in the nosebleeds because they were so far away from the stage. Oh, thank you to everybody who submits those. They're always available on my Instagram. So if you go to the link in my bio and then swipe over, there's a whole list of all of the story submissions and they're just available for you always. We've got, let me read to you the ones that are always open for submissions. We've got, am I the asshole? Judge Maddie, Petty Petty Princess, Is This Ick, Bad Dates, Worst In-Laws, Dum Dum Club, Roommate Horror, Bad Bosses, Wedding Hells, and Foot in Mouth Moments. Did I put Dum Dum Club on there? Yeah, it's on there. So you can always go there if you ever want to submit those. We'll rotate through all of those, all of those. So I will see your submission eventually. It's the best, the best way to, to do it. I have some people email me them, but then they get lost. So just try and keep it there. Next week, we are doing a new, a new topic. And I've already collected submissions for these, but maybe I'll open them up, up once more. We're going to do craziest coincidences. And there are some insane ones, some mega insane ones. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad we got back to the story submissions. I've missed those. I've missed them very, very much. It's what got the podcast started and I will make sure to never, ever forget, forget where I came from, you know? Thanks to everybody who submitted in-law stories and dumb dumb clubs. I love you so much. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, post on social media if you can remember. Go, go, go spread the good word of the bad broadcast. Tell one friend about it. The one friend with horrible in-laws, send her my way. We'll make her feel better, okay? So yeah, remember to always be safe, be kind, be hot. Know that I love you. I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.